Welcome to the Mid-Off Cricket Podcast. Jeez, we're flying by the seat of our pants here, fellas. Uh, they say three is a crowd, uh, so four is a dead set orgy. And uh, Ross has extracted himself from that environment, uh, so you're stuck with my dulcet tones for the remainder of this episode. Uh, it would be remiss of me not to introduce the award-winning team at taking podcasting world by storm. Two-time club champion and Norm Smith medalist for the mighty West Ivano Roosters. Welcome, Alex. G'day, David. How you going? So Ross has taken yeah. his keys out of the bowl for the night. Oh. Uh, he certainly <laughs> did want to be a part of this sort of uh, <laughs> interruption. Uh, West Ivano legend and former president of that great club. Hello, Mick. Hello, gents. Uh, we're tri-casting uh, for you guys today. Uh, Alex is obviously in the uh, Ludeman Studios from the Ballerine Peninsula. Yep, in the uh, well, that's it. Uh, your real sort of uh, hostage-style negotiations <laughs> down there. Uh, Michael is uh, from the Matthew Herbie Elliott Studios of the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Welcome, Mick. And myself from the Alan Mullally Studios in Perth. Um, uh, before we get started with all the hot topics in world cricket currently, which there's probably not a lot of given how cold it's been, um, I think we need to talk about some discipline firstly. Uh Ross will be down St Kilda tomorrow, jumping off a pier and swimming back at this rate. Uh, I think he's missed... Well, I've missed three episodes in my life. Uh, One of those is because I was as hung as Lexington Steel. Um, (laughs) Another was because I was actually partying in Las Vegas. And another one was because I was actually hanging out in New York. Ross has missed two because Telstra failed. And another one for reasons unknown. Uh, I think the next discipline meeting uh, will be quite interesting, fellas. Yep, well, he's on two strikes, so third one oh, I don't know what we have to do I think the podcasting union we just beat him out the back with a length of hose I think. <laughs> he's not on he's not on, uh, what? he's not on the buddy Franklin third strike system where you never get a third strike yeah no uh, he might be uh, he might be tucky style waking up in a Woolworths car park somewhere <laughs> so what do we do with him now where do we go can you kick a man off his own podcast can you hmm Probably not, I would imagine. He does do the editing for us. So. Yeah. And probably will edit this whole conversation out. <laughs> it's just blank for like the first five minutes. <laughs> uh, you, better not, you better not edit out this great intro. Um, so let's move firstly to uh, a bit of national team talk. And it's been dire uh, at, the, at the beginning of sort of the... The Australian winter, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, but since then, we we've actually done pretty well. Yeah, uh, we had a t we had a t twenty against England. I'm not sure. We probably didn't do anything in that, did we? No, I think we lost. No, we yeah, uh, But then we had a t twenty against the t twenty powerhouse of uh, Pakistan, number one side in the world. Yep. And you know, our man uh, four meter Billy Stanlake Billy was true to form. Yeah, and P harded it right up for the first four overs of his uh, T20 um, uh, innings mm-hmm. and ended up taking, what was it, Mick? Was it six? Four. Or am I just making stuff up Four here? for eight. Four. Four for eight of four genuine overs. Yep. Uh, ridiculous scenes. Yep. Um, what happened in the end? I think we ended up winning that quite comfortably. Yeah, we won by um, oh, something. It was like 50 runs or something like that. No, we chased. And then so we moved wickets. on. It was like eight wickets or seven wickets. Ah, right. Yeah. And then we moved on to a game that tugged at my heartstrings a little bit because it uh, pitted my uh, country of birth, Australia, 
versus one of my real, real strong followings in Zimbabwe. Yes. And then Aaron Finch decided to go absolutely fucking ham. Mm. What happened there? So Finchy uh, went Coco Bananas, as the kids like to say, and he <laughs> smashed 172 <laughs> before being dismissed, hit wicket. That's so, great. So <laughs> he went, um, so he surpassed his, as they continually said on the coverage, world record score of 156, which he made against England a few years back. So that's T20 international record. The, domest- the overall record's 175, which is held by Chris Gale. So uh, Finch had two or three balls left for the innings to get the extra four runs needed to surpass Chris Gale. And one of the Pakistani blokes has thrown a real wide one and Finch chased it as hard as he could and managed to stumble and flick his off stump in his follow in the, in the big swing of his bat and managed to uh, knock a ball off. So he's out hit wicket for 172 runs. So he's going that well that they can't even dismiss him. He has to dismiss himself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Did the bowler go Coco Bananas and celebrate the wicket? <laughs> nah, thankfully he did not over-celebrate, which uh, can't be said for one of his compatriots who I was just watching before the podcast started on the latest game. But, um, but yeah, no, it was very... It was all it was a bit doom and gloom at Pax and uh, for the Zimbos, which is uh, understandable in that situation when you've just had a side put up world record numbers. Because there's, there's a whole heap of records that like they... With the first T20 opening stand to make 200 runs at international level, it's the highest. It's the highest partnership ever in international T20 cricket. Like there was just they basically broke records left, right, and centre. So I think it was also it's. I don't know if it was. I don't think it was our highest score ever, but for some reason. But I think it's um it's up there. So as a team, yeah, it might not have been the highest. I think our highest score. as a team's like 250. That was when the Finch made. When Finchy made the 150, because um, someone else chipped in, we're in this game, pretty much no one else chipped in, really. Uh, one of the uh, things that come out after that Finch innings, uh, I'm not sure if he broke the record or already had the record, but no player in international history has scored more international runs without playing a test match. So he broke that record, so that's his record now, yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. So Aaron Finch has 4,891 runs in 132 matches for Australia, which is a good, I would say, test career. Yeah. Yeah. And it's never played a test match. But one of the uh, one of the great things about that was when asked, uh, Finch just decided to blame himself. He goes, I've only got myself to blame. When I was younger, I had an opportunity to push my case uh, and failed. Uh, I was playing good white ball cricket for Australia and couldn't get the runs on the board in red ball cricket. So... Um, given the, uh, the Dave Warner and Steve Smith suspensions, is there a possibility that Aaron Finch now takes up that spot that uh, Dave Warner left behind at the top of the opening uh, innings for Australia in test matches and just try and belt the ball around for a little bit? I think, well... You okay. go first, Ken. You go first. Uh, all right, I will go first. Uh, <laughs> I think a, a uh, genuine possibility. Why the hell not, you know? Is what I say. But All right. Like, so I, yeah. Oh, okay. No, so I, I think there's. I agree. I think there's a genuine argument to be made for Finchie. Um, since 2014, I read a stat somewhere that since it, he might have even said it himself in that press conference. Since 2014, at first class level, between if you combine his English and his Australian stats together, he averages 50 or a little bit over. So that right there should put him in contention. 
Um, yep. And there's also not that it not that it affects the test arena, but I was also saying to you guys the other night, if you have a look over their careers, what um, at international level, Finchie has a better T20 and um, ODI average and strike rate than Chris Gale as well. So he has some very, very good numbers, Finchie. And I think he's one of those guys who just gets lost in the shuffle of the white ball specialist tag where there is a really... If he has a good start to his summer when the Sheffield Shield kicks off in the coming months, he's um, a really good chance to put his name in front of the selectors. The reality is, is everyone in the country, apart from... Well, there's, two, there's two or three batsmen who you go, yeah, they're in the team. All the other sides are really up for grabs. So I mean, all the other spots, sorry. So there's a chance if yep. you really put your name forward, there's no reason that you can't be considered, I don't think. And obviously we're talking about this because Dave Warner and Steve Smith have been suspended for 12 months. Yeah. And there were some claims uh, during the week that the 12-month bans imposed upon both of those gentlemen may be softened. Uh, to allow them to participate in uh, the JLT Sheffield Shield. Um, Cricket Australia have come out and refuted those claims quite strongly uh, and said that no such uh, uh, concessions will be made for those two. Um, And and they've said at no stage have we or are we considering lessening the current sanctions in place for those respective players in relation to the incident in South Africa. So um, as as you said, Mick... Yeah, correct. As as Mick said, there's, uh, that's pretty uh, that's pretty clear, and that means that there's a couple of spots up for grabs um, in the meantime for the next twelve months, and we may see someone uh, uh, come out of the blue and, and become a, the next Test star for Australia. Who knows? Mm. As Steve Smith did when he was a leg spinner and decided to bat well. <laughs> and in that situation, it's actually in, to give Cricket Australia a bit of credit. It would have been very easy for them to cower and bend over to the ongoing complaining through the media and social media and everything and go, okay, we're going to review their bans and possibly reduce them. But instead, they've stuck to their guns and said, no, this is what we fucking did and we're going to stick with it. And whether you agree with it or not, this is what we did and we're doing it. So you got to give them a bit of credit for that because it'd be pretty easy just to go back on your word there and change it and they're not going to. So you got to give them a bit of credit for that, I think. Yeah, considering some uh, recent results, it's it would be easy just to say, "Oh, wait a minute, uh, we're we're struggling and and we need to do something else." But no, they've just said, "Fuck it, that's what we're doing." Yeah, and, and uh, just and to not have the plan mate. um to just put in this huge ban, quiet the media down, and then you know five months down the track when everyone's forgotten about it, let them play again. You know, so yeah, good nah. to see that that plan wasn't in place. Spot on. Yeah. Uh, and just on, uh, obviously, the uh, national team talk, uh, not so much to do with the team, but the coverage of the cricket. Um, we know that the Australian um, cricket landscape was shaken up recently with the TV rights deal that's gone through. Uh, happy to announce that uh, Glenn McGrath will now join the seven commentary team uh, for the uh, the next sort of uh, test series. So he will join, um, obviously, Ricky Potting, Damien Fleming and Michael Slater in the uh, Channel 7 commentary box for the sixth test this season, uh, which is four against India and two against the Sri Lankans. So do you reckon he'll be a uh, special commentary type guy? Do you reckon he'll be a sort of a call-by-call? Because he's done a bit 
previously, but only sort of around the Jane McGrath Day stuff, right? Yeah, so he's done a little bit for the ABC and has been more of a special comments type uh, yeah. person. Yeah. And uh, the Channel 7's head of cricket, David Barham, has said, uh, we're looking forward to his unique insights and vast knowledge of summer, uh, of all things summer on 7. So I'd imagine that might be more of your uh, special comments as yeah. a side, a play-by-play type style. Do you reckon all the other commentators are going to ask him endlessly about all of his wickets, which he remembers like a, uh, a photograph? Uh, it's possible. It's going to um, happen. And... He'll get asked like every five minutes. Uh, wicket number 278. Yeah, yeah. And um, just for a bit of counterbalance, um, on the other side of the TV rights deal here in Australia, uh, Fox Sports have secured Adam Gilchrist, Mark War. Shane Warne, Michael Hussey, Michael Vaughan, Mel Jones and Issa Gua, uh, while Alan Border and Brennan Julian have also been associated with the network's cricket coverage and will probably look to continue that. It's a uh, lot of people. Yeah, yeah but plenty of, uh, plenty of good people. Yeah, I agree. Got a good team. Uh, so we sort of, whilst uh, moving away from probably the national style... Um, but talking more about Australian, uh, don't want to say grassroots cricket, but uh, cricket itself in the BBL, um, uh, we've sort of put together here, or the Cricket Australia website has put together a uh, sort of top 10 wish list uh, for people available for the Big Bash League. So I'll just run through them and grab your thoughts on each and every one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we start here with number 10. Uh, with no BBL experience, Joe Root from England. Uh, is playing or getting people to come and watch? Uh, to play. No. Nah. Yeah, I don't. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Does he? Does he play? He, I'm guessing he plays in their T20 side, but he doesn't really strike you as a solid, entertaining T20 player. Yep. Will he be like uh, Michael Clark and? On a list forever and never play. Maybe. No. Well, this is just their wish list. Yeah. They, no one's actually been signed from this list. Oh, um, right. We've got number nine, Alex Hales from England. His BBL experience is 15 matches. So eight for the Adelaide Strikers, five for the Hobart Hurricanes, and two for the Melbourne Renegades. He is a former number one T20 batsman. Yeah. He's yeah. a number one cunt, so... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Although he, no, I can't um, refute he that. Did, <laughs> he did smash a 147 against us in their world record ODI total of 481. Yeah, like yeah. from a purely entertainment point of view, he's he's very entertaining to watch when he's up and about. So, um, yep. yeah, like you'd understand why that's the type of player they'd want to bring in. Um, as long as he keeps off Snapchat, he'll be fine. Speak, <laughs> speaking of entertaining, Mick, I'll give you an entertaining name right now. Uh, with zero BBL experience, the wicketkeeper from Afghanistan, Mohammed Shazad. Oh, what a legend. The man who just smashes out the stumps and is as fat as a house, but <laughs> is proper entertaining. He, uh, uh, I read an article about him, how he got dropped for the first series Afghanistan, test series Afghanistan. Oh, no, no, he dropped for the World Cup. That they played in. So he pretty mm-hmm. much batted and kept to get them into the World Cup through the qualifiers. The one in Australia. 
and then he got yep. dropped and he was shattered, blah, 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 and he got dropped because he was too portly. And he was saying that he actually lost... He couldn't bat for long periods of time when he lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have the energy stores. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He goes, I just could only last like, you know, 20 overs or something and then I'd lose concentration because I was so thin. And I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. That's what Mark Cosgrove <laughs> should have told the Australian selectors back in the day. That's it. Mm. Uh, uh, the next one, the next one uh, with a BBL experience of zero games, but I believe is an absolute non-brainer. Uh, given that his wife is an Australian who commentates on the Big Bash. Uh, Mornay Morkel from South Africa. Yeah. Uh, He's already signed with the Heat, yeah. isn't he? Uh, not according to this article, but potentially. I thought he had. Or maybe that was a rumour that, that he was going to yeah, sign with. Yeah, I think it him. was a rumour that he was going to sign yeah. once he uh, retired from uh, yeah. Test cricket. Mm. We move on to number six, uh, again with no BBL experience, but is ranked in the top five uh, within T20 World Cricket, uh, is Evan Lewis from the West Indies. So he doesn't play test cricket for the West Indies, um, but uh, has played some T20i cricket against India uh, in Florida, of all places. Uh, And he smashed 125 from 62 balls against Virat Kohli's team. Again, he doesn't play test cricket, so his availability looks good for the BBL, and it's of the belief that he'll be a big signing at some stage this year. Yeah, okay. I can't imagine that Florida ground was very big. I wouldn't have thought so. Speaking of not that big, uh, number five is Joss Butler from England. Um, He has a BBL experience of 11 matches, so five for our boys in Red Melbourne Renegades. And six for the Sydney Thunder, probably back when the Sydney Thunder were the worst team to yeah, play. Yeah, he was there when they were fucking in horrible. BBL. Yeah, he would have been. Uh, but obviously, he he's smacking the ball around for England in the ODIs and T20, so it's hard to see him not getting picked up at some stage by a BBL team. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, num- n- number four, I think everyone's favourite, Sunil Narayan. Oh, I love him. Uh, yep. He's played 13 matches, eight for us in red at the Renegades. And five for the Sydney Sixers who wear pink, so let's skip over them quickly. All rounders, an all rounder now, Sunil. Yeah, he opened the batting a couple of times for the uh, Renegades. Yeah. Not sure why. Um, Andrew Love Muscle Russell from the West Indies, currently unsigned, Dre Russ, uh, but has played 19 matches, 15 with the boys in green from the Sydney Thunder, and four with the boys in red from Melbourne Renegades. Renegades. <laughs> uh, I don't think the, the top two aren't. Overly surprising. So we've got uh, number two with a BBL experience of four matches from the Melbourne Renegades, the big red-headed prick, Ben Stokes. Um, not sure what he hits harder, drunk patrons or cricket balls, drunk but patrons. here we are. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and obviously number one, the man with no BBL experience uh, is, uh, what's his name? Abraham Benjamin or something, De Villiers from South uh, Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a nobody, I've never heard of him, but apparently uh, someone's going to sign him uh, eventually. Maybe he'll hit a six. I've never heard of his name before, though. Yeah, he must be um, He must be like a prodigy that's playing, like, county cricket or something that someone's excited yeah, about. Yeah, must, must be a junior. Yeah. Yeah, up and coming. And, <laughs> anyway, after that exciting national team talk styles, uh, let's uh, move on to have Bat Will Travel with me. All righty. Oh, yes. So, uh, so for this uh, episode's uh, Have Bat Will Travel, we'll start off with the 
final of the Royal London Cup. So after m- what felt like months and months of one-day cricket, they finally <laughs> managed to get to the final where Hampshire took on Kent. Hard as a Kent's head. Hard as a Kent's head. So Kent elected the field first, and uh, Hampshire got off to a great start with Tommy, the stage name, Alsop, and Riley Russo <laughs> combining for a 136-run opening stand. Dasselow, sorry, Alsop, was dismissed for 72. <laughs> which brought Hampshire skipper Steamed Rice James Vince to the crease. He was dismissed for 23. Riley Russo got to 125 before he was dismissed. Hampshire number four, Sam, that's a direction, not a surname, northeast, made 75, not out. Not one other, not one, not one other Hampshire player made double figures. So the top four all got like 70s and 20s and stuff, and no one else made it to double figures. So Hampshire ended up finishing up seven down for 330. The pick of the Kent bowlers was Joe Denley, who took four for 57 from his 10 overs. So uh, Kent had every right to be confident because they had the man of the moment, Heino Kuhn, who has been in awesome form coming into the final. But as, as we know, old mate Heino is South African and they love to choke in one-day finals and choke he did. <laughs> As he was run out for 32. Run out? Yeah, run out. You don't run out your best player. Whoever ran him out, out the back. Don't run out the dog. Yeah, bit of hose across the back of the head. Uh, (laughs) Daniel Bell Drummond showed some fight, making 86. Kent skipper Sam Billings also tried his best to get the cat's heads over the line, making 75. (laughs) But ultimately, ultimately it wasn't enough, and they fell 61 runs short when they were dismissed for 269. The smacking. Yeah, Hampshire bowlers Dale Stain and Mason Cranes tried their best to keep Kent in the match, going at six runs and over each and only taking one <laughs> wicket. So Dale Stain and Mason Cranes, the leggy, uh, the English leggy, played a bit yeah. for New South Wales. They got fucking belted. But they still managed yeah. to... But uh, Hampshire still had enough runs in the bank, so they got up. So Hampshire took home the chocolates and the Royal London Cup. Uh, man of the match, the mid-off podcast man of the match was Riley Russo for his 125. Will you, uh, will you send Riley a uh, trucker's cap, Mick, or is that as long as, he pay, as long as he pays for the postage, then I'll send it to him. <laughs> <laughs> we don't mention the trucker hats on him. Uh, so, so now we head back to the, uh, to the longer form stuff. And there's two rounds of cricket between the one-dayers and the, in the, and the start of their T20, which is the uh, Vitality Blast, I think it's called this year. So uh, I'm only going to touch on one of those rounds because Ross got his panties in a bunch last week that the segment went too long, and I'll touch on the other round next, uh, next episode. So uh, this is effectively round seven, so it's from about the midpoint of June. So uh, in Division One, we had Notting- Nottinghamshire took on Essex, uh, Nottinghamshire made 388 and 266 to beat Essex by 301 runs. Essex made 206 and 139. So uh, Ross the Boss Taylor made 146 for Knots as they posted the 380. Essex South African spinner Simon Harmer took four for 78. In Essex's first innings, Rovi, ba- Rovi Bopara made feast for a couple, 69, as they limped to 206. Knots bowlers Luke Fletcher feast and Matt Carter... Shared four wickets apiece. In the second innings, Knott's keeper Tom Moores made the dreaded 87 as they posted 266. 
Essex Matthew Queen, medicine woman, took three wickets. <laughs> and second time around, Essex got rolled for 139 with Ravi Bopar top scoring with 39. Not Matt Mills, Milnes took four wickets. So, uh, like, so like I said, Notts end up winning by 301 runs. Uh, the points where Notts got 23, Essex got three. It is the fucking most lopsided point system in fucking cricket, this point system. <laughs> it's <laughs> incomprehensible. Uh, like, to, like, I know they lost by 301 runs, so you kind of go, okay, yeah, 20 points. But then some other games you look at and go, well, how did they get the same? Like this next game I'm going to talk about, there's a 20-point differential here as well. So uh, Surrey <laughs> uh, took on Somerset. Uh, so Somerset elected a field first. And a mistake that surely was, because Surrey posted a mammoth 459. So their top scorer being Oliver, not Lloyd the Ginger Mongoloid from South Australia Pope, who made 117. <laughs> Scott Borthwick made 83. And Rory, third degree Burns, made 66. Pick of the Somerset Bowlers was Tim Grunwald, who took four for 85. Uh, Somerset first innings, Matty Renshaw made 39. But the real yeah. story of the innings was Surrey's number four bat, Ryan Patel, who was throwing the ball in the 54th over with Somerset at four for 169. 30 minutes later, Somerset were all out for 180. Oh. And Patel had picked up five wickets in 11 balls. What? So Patel finished with figures of six for five. Fucking Jesus. Hell. And Ricky Clark picked up the rem- remaining four wickets, so they took all ten between them. So Patel rarely, rarely bowls, and as one of those are, oh, we'll just see what fucking happens moments, and he took six for five. <laughs> uh, so Somerset were made to follow on. Renshaw made two off 25 balls. <laughs> so he's back, to, he's back to old Matt Renshaw. So uh, <laughs> James Hildreth top scored with 89. Mornay Morkel, who we were just talking about, and Jade Bowling Pies Dernbach took four wickets each. So that match who's, there. Who's, who's that what was that? Oh, don't worry, Matt. Continue. Oh, sorry. So that match there. So Surrey won by 69 runs. The points were Surrey tw- 24, Somerset 2. So somehow Nottinghamshire won by 200 and something runs more, but they still basically got the same amount of points. <laughs> yeah. When do you get no points? That's what I want to know. I don't think you can get no points from what I, from what I've seen. You somehow, I think just by writing your name on the team sheet, you get three because the minimum <laughs> amount of points I've seen everywhere is three. The head over the carbon copy at yeah. the start of the day, you're three points. Three Straight points. The ledger. Yep. <laughs> Done. So next up, we got Worcestershire took on Lancashire. Uh, Lang selected the field first. Daryl Mitchell was the pick of the bats for Worcester with 118, and Steve McGoffin chipped in with a duck. Hey, uh, <laughs> if any, Joe Manny picked up four wickets for Lanks. Oh, no, he might play for Australia yeah. now. Lanks struggled with the bat in their first innings with only three players making double figures. Ross's man, Keaton Keyboard Jennings, got 55. Alex Davies, 43. And Joe Manny got 17. Yeah, Worcester's really, Ed really. Root Bernard took five for 34. McGoffin took two for 58. And yes, test, test selectors. He's still available. <laughs> What's the bat again with Daryl Mitchell going even bigger in the second innings, posting 163, and was ably supported by New Zealand powerhouse Martin Guptill, who got 111. 
They shared an opening stand of 215. Worcester declared seven down to, uh, for 484 runs. The Lanks bowlers did nothing special, so we won't, so we won't talk about them. Lanks was set 602 to win. They started <laughs> off in cracking fashion, posting 126 for the first wicket. Key contributor, pun intended, was Keaton Keyboard Jennings, making 177. Lanks ended up getting rolled for 399 and losing by 202 runs. Pick of the Worcester Bowls in the second innings was again the brute Ed Bernard, who took four for 95. Worcester 20, Lanks 3 are the points for that game. So I said, signing the team sheet, three points. That's what it's got to be. Yeah. Mm. And if you sign outside of the box, you get one point taken off. With yeah, that's why Somerset only got two points in the last game. He put he, he signed yeah. he signed the away captain instead of the home captain by mistake. Yeah, I think he actually um, tried to check to see if the pen was working and scribbled uh, on the side of the team sheet. They yeah, said, "Arms went." Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next up, we got a uh, Yorkshire and Hampshire had a draw. Uh, so Yorkshire elected a bat first, and things started off poorly when the Yorkies fell for two for ten. Enter England's greatest Test batsman impersonator. Gary Balance, who made 109. <laughs> Yorkshire were all there for 350. Dale Stane took 5 for 66 for Hampshire. Oh, he's and, back. Yeah, and Fidel Edwards also took a Mick Lewis 3 for taking 3 for 109. <laughs> Hampshire made 443 in reply, with the key contributor being not West Indian, but Englishman Jimmy Adams, who made 147. Ah. <laughs> Tommy, the stage name Allsop, also made 63. Yorkshire's Jack Jack Brooks took a gin Pfeiffer with 5 for 124. <laughs> Yorkshire batted again, but did nothing interesting as they declared for 6 for 263 to close out the match and the draw. Hampshire, 11 points. Yorkshire, 10. That seems fair for a draw. Yeah. I think Hampshire got an extra point because they made 400 or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we move over to Divi 2 where uh, Glamorgan were playing Derby. Uh, Glamorgan elected a bat first, posting 283. Usman's playing for Glamorgan. He managed to get a 5. Top scorer was Andrew Salter with 72. Pick of the Derby bowlers was Tony the Don Palladino. Who took five for sixty nine? In reply, Derby made three sixty two with Alex Hughes making one hundred and three before being run out. Salter was also the pick of the Glamorgan Bowlers, taking four for a hundred and five. Yep. Glamorgan had a second bat. Usman Kamashwa fared a little better in the second innings, making a hundred and twenty six. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, Usman Kamashwa, I love it. Did the uh, opposition spinner get injured in the first yeah, innings? possibly. Uh, <laughs> so, so Kieran Carl Carlson made 156 as well for Glamorgan. <laughs> uh, nothing special with the Derby bowlers. Second time around, Derby needed 325 for victory. They got to 8 for 147 when the match was declared a draw. Nothing special from the Derby bats, but former Hobart Hurricane Michael Hogan... Took four for 43 for Glamorgan. Points were Derby 11, Glamorgan 8. Nice. Next up, we got Kent, who took on uh, Warwickshire. Uh, Warwickshire chose to field first, and it looked like a genius move as they rolled hard as a Kent's head for 197. 
Best of the Kent's bats was Joe, Joe Denley with 59. Warwickshire opening bowler Keith Barker took five for 32. Ooh, good figures. Yeah, in reply with the bat, Warwickshire stumbled and only posted 125. Whoa. With have bat, won't travel, Jonathan Trott, top scoring with 51. <laughs> uh, uh, second time around, Joe Denley, the Joe Denley pep, work, pep talk worked a treat as hmm. Kent would post eight for 446. Oh. With Sean, gee, you can be a Dixon making 133 and the skipper posting 119. What happened to the pitch? No, I don't know. Oh, just, it flattened right the fuck out, which you'll hear. Yeah, uh, you, yeah. yeah you'll hear. Concrete style. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zach, that's Zach with a K. Yeah, my parents are cool. Crawley, chipping <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, Now we're talking. Warwickshire's Keith Barker picked up another four wickets. Warwickshire was set 519 for victory and gave it a red-hot crack being dismissed for 445. Oh. Fuck, this pitch must have turned into a road, is what I have in yeah. my notes. Uh, Warwick's Dominic's, Warwickshire's Dominic Sibley made 104. And the Shermanator... Oh, I thought you were going to say... Uh, I thought you were going to say Dominic Thornley. No. Then I was like, fuck off. <laughs> he hasn't played for about 10 years. <laughs> and the Shermanator, Ian Bell, made 172. So they can... Bo- he hasn't played for 10 years either, the bastard. So Dominic and Bell combined to post 260 for the second wicket. Jesus. And uh, John, I like to sleep in my own bed. Trot made a duck. <laughs> Kent's best with the ball was Harry Podmore. He took four for 84. So in the end, Kent won by 73 runs. Kent got 19 points. Warwickshire got three. How? Hmm. They saw the team sheet. They saw the team sheet. In fairness, they made 445 in the second dig. I give them three points as well. (laughs) Uh, So next up, we've got Middlesex beat Leicester by one solitary wicket. So Leicester elected to bat first. The standout performance was Leicester number three, the South African Colin Aikerman, who made 196. Fat Guts Cosgrove batted with him for a bit, making 16. So they, <laughs> so, so Leicester posted 427 in their first innings. Uh, Middlesex bowl, best of the Middlesex bowls was, was Irish test quick, Tim I'm too old for this shit. Murtar, who took five, he took, he took five for sixty. Uh, in reply, Middlesex posted two thirty-three with Darwood Milan making seventy-eight. My man, the Irish Test ginger batsman Paul Sterling got fifty-two, and our and Big Hank got thirty-three. Hey, well, there he's he back. is. He's back. In a fun note, Hank got Cosgrove out when he was bowling. And Cosgrove took the catch and dismissed Big Hank. So some of our podcast favourites just getting all up in each other's shit there. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that about our podcast, yeah. that we bring people together. Yeah. Uh, Leicester's Zach Chappell took four for 65, and I am led to believe he bowled the entire spell over arm. <laughs> yeah, good one. Uh, second time around, Leicester did not fare as well with the bat making 186. Old Fat Guts made 23, and Murtagh picked up another three. Middlesex was set 381 to win. And, ca- and come the moment, cometh the man. 
as Big Hank made 80 runs and Middlesex passed the score nine down to win by a wicket. Oh. So Middlesex got 19 points and Leicester got seven. So uh, next up, we've got Sussex beat, uh, beat Durham by an innings and 64 runs. Uh, Durham sent Sussex in. And once again, Paul Collingwood proved that playing high-level cricket doesn't mean you can captain. As Sussex made <laughs> 552. Oh, did he do that last episode? Yeah, he's, he's done it a couple of times this year now. He's put sides in that have placed 400 plus. Uh, Sussex pair Philip, Pepper and Salt, who made 130. And Tom, paint running through my veins, Haynes, 124. This guy's last name is Salt. Yeah, his name's Salt, Philip Salt. Fucking hell. Uh, so Salt and Haynes combined, not to be a law firm, but to make 244 for the second wicket. <laughs> and our man, one of the fav- one of the podcast podcast favourite, Nathan the Rim Job Remington, took none for 128. <laughs> <laughs> and he he gave a hearty hand clasp to Paul Collingwood on the way out. Yeah. Uh, and in reply, Durham made 211. Top score being Will, the Fresh Prince, Fresh Prince Smith, with 90. Rimjob made a duck. It was not Rimjob's fucking day. Pick of the, <laughs> the bowls for Sussex was South African David Weiss, who took four for 33. Um, the follow-on was in force, and Durham had to bat again, this time posting 277. Rimjob made 49 not out, and the hey. bowlers shared the wickets for Sussex. Uh, so points were Sussex 24, Durham 3. And our final match to wrap up the round from County Division 2, North Ants beat Gloucester by 10 wickets. So Gloucester elected to have a field and North Ants put up two for 80, uh, sorry, 282 with Luke Proctor top scoring with 70. Best of the Gloucester bowlers was Matt, not so Tubby Taylor, who took four for 70. In reply, Gloucester capitulated like a bunch of bitches and were rolled for 62. <laughs> oh, Jesus. There were only four, four batsmen who made double figures. And there was also 11 blokes using the term first class pretty fucking loosely. <laughs> Pick of the North End bowlers was Ben Sanderson who took five for 16. Great figures. So North Anson followed nice. the follow-on. Second time around, Gloucester made 250 with Ryan Higgins' top scoring was 63. North Anson bowling was dominated by Brett Hutton, who took 8 for 57. Oh, yeah. that's uh, Alex Mann-like nuts. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit like you. Yeah. <laughs> Have you taken Except 8 before? Except in actual cricket. Have you taken 8 before? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Um <laughs> North Ants were set 31 runs for victory and Ben Duckett made 32 all by his own to bring up the win. <laughs> they took like, three, took like three overs. He faced like 12 balls or something ridiculous. Uh, so the points were North Ants 21, Gloucester 3. And that is Have Bat Will Travel. Unbelievably good stuff. Uh, while we're still in England, I, I don't want to take any shine away from... Uh, what was a stirring segment on first-class cricket. But I'm just going to quickly run through some of the players who will be partaking in the T20 NatWest Finger Blast. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm stealing a bit of your thunder here, Mick, so please stop no, me. No, yeah, go for it. Uh, 
Cool. So uh, what I'm going to do is just touch on uh, who will be there from the Australian point of view mm-hmm. uh, and something that took the Englishman probably 100 years to do. Uh, Aaron Finch and Nick Madison are going to remove themselves from Zimbabwe and return to England. Uh, <laughs> so they they will be signing with uh, Surrey, both Aaron Finch and Nick Madison, for the NatWest Finger Blast. Uh, they will be uh, joining their Surrey teammates after the T20 Tri-Series final at the Harare Sports Club, which we'll hear a little bit yes. more about uh, shortly. Um, in something that the uh, Cricket Australia's website has likened to the uh, Somali, uh, I would say, Gold Coast um, uh, Commonwealth game style, yes. uh, Dan Christian has just decided to stay behind after leading our um, Indigenous team in England, and he will be joining the reigning champions Nottinghamshire and will again captain them on their title defence. Oh, good. Um, One of my favourite cricketers. Usman Kamashwa and Sean Kamashwa <laughs> will both be playing for Club Morgan, uh, and they will be hoping to uh, transfer their strong recent first-class form into the shortest format, according to the cricket.com.au website. James Faulkner is set to play his first domestic game in nearly six months when he joins Joe Many, if any, in the Lancashire's 2020 NatWest Finger Blast team. Uh, he thinks that he's freshened his body up and he's feeling good. I highly doubt that, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, Travis, Travis Richard Head and Callum Ferguson will be playing for Worcestershire in the NatWest Finger Blast, while uh, Gloucester have both uh, Andrew Suit and Tie and, uh, well, let's say, Prince of Perth, Michael Klinger, and Essex, the best sex, uh, will have Pierre, our man Siddle. And also, Ginsman and, let's be honest, uh, Aaron Finch's, I would say, midnight snack, Adam Zampa, <laughs> he will be uh, a part of the uh, uh, the team. Uh, hard as a Kent's head, we'll have Marcus Stoinis, Middlesex, not the best sex, Ashton Agar, uh, and that's it, yes, the solution. So that's our NatWest Finger Blast, so... I'll just quickly run through that again. Essex, Pierre Siddle, Adam uh, Fodder, Zampa. Glamorgan have both Sean Marsh and Usman Kamashwa. Gloucester have Andrew Sutton Tye and Prince of Perth, Michael Klinger. Kent, uh, Goldstein donation, Marcus Stoin. Uh, Middlesex, The Solution, Ashenaga. Surrey, Finchy, Aaron Finch. And uh, Nick, how big are my ears? I can hear colours. Manson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lancashire have Joe Many, if any, and out of the back of the hand, poor man's Jade Dernbach, James Faulkner. Knotts have uh, ACDC, Dan Christian. And Worcestershire have Travis Richard Head and Callum, no nickname because your name's already boring enough, Ferguson. So, um, uh, go Mick. I was like, I think Middlesex is a perfect fit for Ashton Hager because all he does is bowl the ball dead straight down the middle of the fucking pitch. Right down the guts yeah. of it, you are spot Old on. Old straight breaks, Agar. <laughs> and um, David, who was uh, Joe Benny, if any, and James Wayne Newton, Ross Faulkner playing for? Don't know. Already closed the article. Oh, great. Happy days. Well, they'll have one of the worst bowling lineups. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, Faulkner's at Lanks, because Chris um, Henstock <laughs> yeah. was talking about uh, that oh, they that's signed right. him. That's... And he's a big Lanks yeah. man. He was all excited they signed him and... And um, we kind of rained on his parade a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So, um, we're about to sort of slide our way into the international cricket, but before we do, I just want to touch on someone, um, or not, I don't want to touch him, although as good-looking as he may be. Um, can I just, um, in July 2015, you mentioned this guy's name before, Michael, um, Dale Stain took his 400th wicket. Uh-huh. That was against Bangladesh. Um it's now July 2018. Some would say three years four, later. Yes. He has 419 wickets and has only played six test matches in that time. Jesus. So he's on his way back from a, a quite a big break and he's chasing uh, Sean Pollock's uh, record, I believe, which is 425, maybe? But can he play <coughs> another no, sorry, three four, years? That's 421. the <laughs> Good question. So I just wanted to bring that up, and I also have a little guessing game for you before we get right into our uh, international cricket. I've got a couple of quotes here, and I want you guys, you two, to guess who said this quote. Okay. I'm going to give this one a, a little truncated version, because if I give it the whole quote, you'll guess. Okay. Quote, the way I look at it, at one stage, Victoria had two world record holders. Shane Warne with the most test wickets and me with the most something. Who said that? Bradley Hodge. Uh, Good guess, but no. Uh, David Fleming. No. It was actually Mick Lewis. Let me read the whole quote. The way I look at it, at one stage, Victoria had two test record... uh, Sorry, two world record holders. Shane Warne with the most test wickets and me with the most runs conceded. (laughs) (laughs) And that was Mick Lewis, who was sympathetic of Andrew Ty's plight after he went wicketless for 100 runs in England following their record innings of 481. Uh, In the uh, 100 run club. That's it. I've got another one for you. I've got another one. You You get guys that are good then you get guys that are excellent, and then you get A.B. de Villiers. Who may have said that? Uh, Dale Stein. Yes, correct. Uh, damn it. Another quote. I'm not about earning more somewhere else. It's about running out of gas. Who said that? Given a recent retirement of someone who could probably play somewhere else for oh. a lot more money... Mornay? No. AB. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, it's not Chris Gale, because he just goes wherever the fuck the money is, so it's not even... (laughs) (laughs) Mick, if you don't get this one, I'll be highly disappointed in you. Can you guess before you start, David? (laughs) I bet you uh, Mick probably could guess. Quote, I hope now we don't go too far the other way and lose all of our drive and try and play like New Zealand. Shame on. Oh, no, close, but one of the other biggest cunts in Australian cricket history. Uh, Haydos. Oh, not far away. Oh, Steve Waugh. No, think Victorian. Oh, uh, oh, fuck. Um, Darren Berry. Has played, no, but has, no, but has kept wicket for Victoria. (laughs) Fuck. I'll give it to you. Uh, Oh, it's Matty Wade. Two, 
Yes, it is uh... Matty Wade. The, the two-headed demon Matty yeah. Wade does what, not want us to be nice yeah. to someone else. Uh, this one you guys may get. It's a very old-school quote from a cricketer who plays in the modern game, but is very old-school. The hundred you get in six hours is a very satisfying feeling. A real triumph of skill. <coughs> I don't quite see that in a 20-over game or the hundred-ball game. So the hundred ball game you mentioned. So he's English. He's old school, but plays. Yes, correct. Uh, and I'll just give us one more. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. You're I'm okay, dying. mate. <laughs> That's what happens when you give up smoking. Apparently, you get a bigger <laughs> cough. <laughs> Verenda Sawag saved the IPL by picking me. Uh, Michael Clark. <laughs> no, shut up. That's got KP written all over it, but it won't be KP. Oh, close to KP. Mm. Bigger ego than KP. Fucking hell. Oh, uh, Chris Gale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the world boss, Kings 11 Pudjabs, Chris Gale, says Verinda Sawag saved the OFPL by picking me. <laughs> we move on to international cricket, and our man, when we first started this podcast... Just a sec, Bull. We Sorry, I'm going to cut you off for a sec. Okay, Just that. before you move on... When you had that Alistair Cook thing, you mentioned the that new one hundred ball thing. Yes. Yeah. Hit me. Yeah. Just in a little, in just a little bit of a uh, fun fact. So the T Twenty final for the for the English version, I think it's called the Vitality Blast. Now it's the Vitality yeah. Finger Blast. <laughs> yes. Um, Shut. It up. is. It is. It is. The, it is called uh, Vitality. The finals Ridiculous. already sold out. Like it's oh, still like it? a month and something away, and that hundred ball thing. Some of the counties are just having trouble getting people even interested in it. Yet the T Twenty finals Shit. already sold out. So why do we need another form? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just something I read on. Something I read online today. That's all. I think it's just nice the uh, naming rights, which gets people into the uh, stadium. Yeah, vitality. Blast. Vitality. I have blast. youth and vitality. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a nutrimedics type uh, arrangement going on. Vitality yeah, blast. That- Sounds like something you might find on the internet if you go searching around. <laughs> no idea what you mean, but it sounds bad. <laughs> Have you not got those uh, Gmail things about getting your penis extended <laughs> and your uh, your load heavied? Anyway, we move on to um, our international cricket. And um, as I said during the week, we can't claim all the credit for this, but we can uh, when we claim all the credit. Oh, of course we can. Yeah. When we first decided to uh, ha- uh, start this podcast, we headed to a little country town called Ballarat in uh, the outskirts of Victoria. Very good place. Uh, not many. Uh, one of the great parts of the world. Yeah. And we saw the Darren Lehman Academy take on the Melbourne Renegades in a warm-up game. And one man caught our eye in that game, and he went by the name of Solomon Meyer, and he smashed balls into the car park like you've never seen before in your life. So apparently... We had no idea, but he was Zimbabwean. He now plays in the Zimbabwean national team and now holds the record for the highest T20 international score for Zimbabwe with 94. <coughs> Mick, did you you saw a bit of this game from memory? Uh, I saw a little bit of it, but not very much. But he, um, he pretty much just... Everything that we saw him do in that practice match is essentially what he did against Pakistan. Yep. He's just he's power. He's he's got a bit of Finchy about him in the way that everything he hits, he hits so fucking hard. Like he would be a nightmare, like to try and catch, 
try like caught and bowled, or even just to be in close and try and take a catch in front of the wicket because he hits the ball that hard, it's not funny. So Solomon played against the Australian team um, on Tuesday. Yeah. And was very vocal about how hard it was to see Zimbabwean fans turning on the Zimbabwean team and cheering for Australia. The next day, he comes out and smashes a, a Zimbabwean record of 94 of 63 balls. So, obviously, plays quite well with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. He's <laughs> been far too much time in Australia, but sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's a, it's a very, uh, very Australian uh, thing. <laughs> The thing I did love last but, night on Twitter was after it happened was all the, like, I think Rick Finlay come out and said, don't forget, you know, he got his start in cricket in Australia. And everyone, like, all these Australian people trying to claim him. And it's like, and then another guy's like, yeah, well, he played for my cricket club in Hamilton. It's like, for fuck's sake. Like, he's like, you, you can't all claim him. You can't all have him. We got him first, cunts. Just fucking yeah, deal. I was going to say. What was that guy's name on Twitter, please? Oh, I can't something? remember. Uh, no, Rick Finlay was the one guy. Don't forget he got his start in Australia. But we claimed him. Listen up. We claimed him. Listen up, Rick. Listen up, Rick. If you weren't sitting there on that freezing cold fucking day in Ballarat <laughs> watching some fucking gypsies Balador man who's played international cricket all of a sudden, you can't claim the man. He's our boy. We've decided that the king is ours, and we decided that fucking day in Ballarat. If you can't claim someone once you've seen him play a game at the Harare Sports Club, if you haven't seen him play at some jipper oval in Ballarat somewhere. All right, so Rick, go and fuck yourself. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. I wasn't there watching him, but I've still claimed it. Weren't you there? No, it was no, me, was you and there. Ross. Yeah. Uh, speaking of going fuck yourself, Bangladesh all out for 43. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Kimar Roach took five wickets off 12 balls. On one Last fucking leg. fucking past. <laughs> oh, I'm choking on my own rage here. That's fucked. <laughs> I heard he uh, bowled as well as when he ruined uh, Ricky Ponting's career by bowling short at him. Yeah, listen to me, Alex, right yes. now. Rick, Ricky Ponting was just inducted into the ICC Hall of Fame. If Kemar Roach could spell ICC <laughs> oh, Hall of Jesus. Fame, I'd be fucking surprised. That's how good Ricky <laughs> Ponting is. Um, don't, don't you dare talk down about it. Can we talk about this um, induction? Was there a big photo behind Ricky Ponting when he walked up on stage? Don't, and... don't do it. Don't you fucking mention Jax Callis. I'm telling you right now, Al. I'm With telling you right now. Stumps and Kimbo and Ricky Ponting, legs in the air and face on the ground after a, a outswinging Yorker hobbled him massively. All right, all right, Alex. Seeing as you want to talk shit, let's hear a little bit about Harare Sports Club. Give us a bit of a, an around-the-ground type style. Oh, I can't. Uh, around-the-ground, Alex? is back. <laughs> there it is. He's back. <laughs> and uh, um, very, very quickly uh, scratched up in the five minutes before this podcast when we found out Ross will ah. not be uh, attending. So, the Harare Sports Club, guys, and this is definitely not straight off Wikipedia, is a sports club and multi-purpose stadium in Harare, Zimbabwe. <laughs> Founded in 1900 on the dot, February 1st, 01am. And known, it's also known as the Salar, it was known as the Salisbury Sports Club until 1982. Used mostly for cricket matches and has been the primary cricket venue in Rhodesia and now Zimbabwe since its foundation. Some other sports played there have been rugby, tennis, golf and squash. 
The capacity of this stadium is 10,000 people flat. Some of the tenants there, David, are Zimbabwe National Cricket Team, Rhodesia Cricket oh, yes, Team, please. Mashonaland Cricket Team, and the Mashonaland Eagles. Now, would you guys like to guess at the end names? No. One's a golf club, in <laughs> Or golf course. It is not. Golf course. Oh. Not a, No. I'm not being pedantic <laughs> here. If you said golf, I would have given it to you. Oh, well, the commentator's no, lying, because uh, that's all I've heard for the last fucking three days, and I've been watching it. Well, unless uh, Crick Info has got the info wrong about Crick, which is that as the, apparently this information is up to date as of the 5th of July 2018. Oh, well, I guess it must <coughs> the be. The end up to names date, are the Prayag end and the Cycle Pure end. So I imagine the golf course end is the Cycle Pure end, and that's a sponsorship, because Cycle yeah. Pure just seems weird to me. Mm. Yeah, the cause... earliest recorded first-class cricket match in the Salisbury Sports Club, now Harare Sports Club, was played in 1910. In the years between World War II and independence from the United Kingdom, as you spoke about earlier, David. Yes. The ground hosted several of Rhodesia's home matches in the Curry Cup the South Africa's main domestic first-class competition. Racist. <laughs> yes, the Steve <laughs> Curry Cup. The first uh, first list day match at the ground was played September 1980, shortly after independence. And during the 1980s and early 90s, the ground frequently hosted first-class and list day matches between the Zimbabwe national team and touring A and B youth teams. Now, in 1992, as we all know well, Zimbabwe became a full member of the ICC, obtaining... One of the best years in cricket, 1992. Pakistan won the World Cup and Zimbabwe were a test nation. I went to that World Cup final. You did too? Yeah. Nuts. I nearly mistook your name. Only two people here. Once in a lifetime. (laughs) 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 So, three months after Zimbabwe became a full member... The Harare Sports Club hosted the country's inaugural test match against India. Soon after, the grand place host was first one-day international also against India, and only three years later, in February of 1995, the Harare Sports Club Stadium was the site of Zimbabwe's first ever test win against the Pakistan test team. Match fixing. Sorry. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> That would have been probably rife back then. Or did they bet on did they bet on cricket back then or was the world a more, you know, naive and idyllic place? No, they would have. Okay. Uh, so a bit, a little bit about the venue guys. It's the ground is surrounded by jacaranda trees with a beautiful gabled pavilion. I don't know what that means. Clark Gabled. Uh, <laughs> beautiful Clark Gabled Pavilion. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, the Harare Sports Club is in the heart of the city, fellas. Bordered by heavily, yes, it is. It's bordered by heavily guarded presidential palace on one side and the prestigious Royal Harare Golf Club on the other. Nuts. Yes, the golf course end. Yeah, I reckon a bit of sponsorship and a bit of uh, sport dollars has been handed over the uh, table to get what was it again? Cycle Pure on the end name. Um. Capacity of 10,000, as I said, but it can be increased with the use of temporary stands, just like every single county um, ground. And it can hold... It saw 26,000 people see Rhodesia play the MCC in 1956. Mm. Nice one. Just let you know, Alex, that we're uh, 
reaching the hour mark. So if you don't want to wrap this up just a little bit quicker <laughs> so we can get to the uh, Northern American Hemisphere, let's, okay. uh, let's do that. All right, okay. I'll go through the highest individual scores of the best bowling for the Test ODIs and T20s. Highest individual score is Gary Kirsten from South Africa oh, with 220 player. tests. Ooh. Now, player. in ODIs, H. Mazagadza. Jesus Christ. Mazakatsa, yes. yes, Zimbabwean zone. Uh, Henry or Harry Mazakatsa? Okay. 178, not out in ODIs. Wow. And Ahmed Shezad in 98, not out in the T20s. Best bowling in the tests is 8 for 71. Well, just a, a, sec. a, just, just a sec. Back, back the track yeah. up. Back the track up. Yes. Yes. That's where Finch, you made 172. You're not up to date, mate. I've just I've just switched switched over to Supersports.com oh, for okay. the uh, stats here, yeah. so they're not up to date. No, mm. <laughs> uh, eight for seventy one. A A Donald best bowling in tests. Uh, Fidel Edwards six for twenty two best bowling in ODIs and Muhammad Hafiz four for ten and BB Sram four for ten in T twenty. Well, that'll be now because Billy's got four for eight. Yes. So that's been broken too because Billy got four for eight. Jeez. All I'm He's doing is written out. Cantankerous. Yeah, exactly. Oh, now, just, as... it's, just, it's not accurate, Alex. Well, get off me not, back. Not the, best, not the best form of correct. Not technically correct, not the best form of correct. <laughs> no. Now, as I always finish off my Around the Grounds with Alex, let's look at some Google reviews of the Harare. Oh, <laughs> yes, please. Yes, the best part of this uh, segment. Okay, Rudo Angeline Praise Kuwengwa says yep. the gym is well equipped and the class times are convenient. Gym instructors oh, are friendly but fierce to achieve results. Four stars. Oh, 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 that's good. That is a good rating. Brian Nguendere said, Brian. said good golf club, well looked after uh. course. Four stars. Yeah, nice. Tagudzwa Maseva, five stars, loved it. Really enjoyed watching the rugby game sitting in the stand. It's a place to be. Oh, really? And I'll finish off with Tapiwa Mula, four yep. stars. Great place for tent pitching, especially for wedding events. <laughs> oh, love it. Love a wedding. <laughs> Absolutely nothing in here about cricket. I was like, did anyone go watch the cricket there or what? <laughs> no, it turns out no. <laughs> I reckon they probably play like, you know, 30 games there a year or something. Yeah. Most of it's uh, domestic stuff, so. Yes, well, that, nice that is Around the Grounds with Alex on the Harare Sports Club. I'm um, sorry it was so uh, such a small one, everyone, well, listeners. Uh, it whipped up very quickly. Normally, I'd like to spend at least... 15 minutes a doing minute. a bit of research, yep. so I've only spent five yep. on this one. So We moved from a land that England stole to another land that England stole <laughs> in Canada, and um, and I, I've been exiled before from my community within Australia and went to Canada and spent some time there. So uh, it's only natural that Steve Smith and uh, David Warner would do the same. Um, Mick, you have some sort of a rundown for the Canadian T20 style championship? Yeah, so um, it kicked off um, on June the 28th. So it's all being played at the one ground, which is a King City Oval in Toronto. So it's a, it's a little bit like the JLT style. We've got the entire tournament in one place. Yep. 
Yep. Um, so as we mentioned uh, last time, there's the pardon me. There's the six teams, which are the Winnipeg Hawks, the Vancouver Knights, the Edmonton Royals, the Montreal Tigers, and the Toronto Nationals. And there's also West Indies B. So they are basically oh, good name. the third good string name. Uh, West Indies outfit. So uh, <laughs> as as mentioned, there's a few blokes over there. Like we mentioned on the previous podcast, um, some of the chaps that are there, like Steve Smith's there, uh, Dave Warner's there, and so forth. Since then, Pierre. There's, Pierre is now there. There's been some updates to some of the list because some players had to pull out due to injury or slash international commitments. So... Um, Pierre's over there playing for Montreal. <laughs> Moses Enriquez is playing for the Montreal Tigers as well. They played yesterday and got their first win for the tournament. Uh, they're captained by Lassif Malinga. And big Pierre took four wickets. And two were caught and bowled. And one was an absolute pearl of one-hand return catch style. So that was really good. So, um, But apart from that, not, like it's nothing really... It's, in terms of Smith and Warner... They haven't really set the world on fire. They're still kind of... I think they're still kind of got a few mental demons. They're probably battling, to be brutally honest. So they're just kind of... I think Dave Waters had about three innings and made about two runs. Yes, he? he's, he's, he's really struggled. struggled. But he has been named captain of his team. So the so the Cricket Australia Lifetime Leadership oh. Band does not transfer to Canadian T20. How good is that? Mm. Crick, Cricket Canada has just said to Cricket Australia, go and fuck yourself, mm. James Sutherland. Uh, you're a piece of shit. We'll <laughs> name who we want to name as a captain. I love that. I love it. Yeah, so we're um, we're basically three games into the tournament. The Montreal team's played four. Everyone else has played about three. Uh, as we sit, the Winnipeg Hawks are on top. And, there you go, the Hawks. And West Indies B is second. And Vancouver is third. They've all got um, two wins each. Then uh, Edmonton, Montreal, and Toronto all have one win each. So it's still early days. There's still a fair bit of time left until the, until the finals kick off from memory. Let me just double-check that. So the finals kick off um, on July the 10th. So actually, there's not that much left. It's actually, so it, <laughs> yep. So it banged out pretty quick, actually. So they banged through it. So um, But yeah, so the finals start on July the 10th, which will be next week. With, and there's a few finals, a lot of eliminators and bits and pieces, so it looks like it's a bit all over the shop here. But the main, main final is on the 15th of July, so basically this time in 10 days, so it's about a week and a half away. So, But um, it's been, from what I've seen, it's, it hasn't been the highest scoring cricket, which is surprising because the ground's not overly big, but um, I suppose this is what happens without being rude. Like there's some, There is some good players in there, but... Once you get outside of probably the three best players in each team, the standard does really drop away due to the rules we talked about last time where there's got to be so many Canadians and there has to be one under under 23 years old and rah, rah, rah. Like that, whilst it's good for growing the game in Canada, and that's the whole idea of this is getting those young Canadian guys around experienced cricketers, it does, without being rude, it does weaken your product. So it's not going to be the level of like... The BBL is Mick, or something like that. So, Mick, Mick, let's just backpedal right now. If you ever apologise for being rude again <laughs> on this podcast, so I tell you what, you're off. Yeah, and like a lot of these guys are West Indian, so a lot of these guys will be going directly from this into the Caribbean Premier League. So it'll be interesting to see how many. From what I can gather, between this and the Caribbean Premier League, it doesn't really leave 
them. I'm guessing not many of them are going to be playing in the English competition because mm. of the um, of the way they're all kind of structured together. So um, it's an interesting situation. It does raise while we're talking about this. This leads into another um, topic we can quickly talk about before we wrap up. But um, there's been suggestion put forward by I don't it might have been the ICC or someone else that players should be capped. To, in the space of 12 months, they can only play in three different T20 competitions. Ah, fuck off. If Why? they're not getting game for... If they're not getting the game for their first-class team or their test team, play wherever the fuck you yeah, want to play. Yeah, and that's the argument. Like, the main boys I've seen this is on Twitter via Dean Jones this week. Because as we know, Dean Jones, um, he's commentating the Canadian League. He also coached in Pakistan and commentates in the IPL. So he has really got his finger in the T20 pie. Like, he has... Pretty much, apart mm. from Australia and the BBL, he pretty much, I think, in fairness, and I think on the BBL he might do some radio stuff, but we don't get him on the TV over here. But he um, he's, he has a lot to do with a lot of T20 competitions worldwide. And the argument they're trying to make is because there's been a couple of blokes who have basically said, well, I don't want to be a test cricketer anymore because I want to do this. And mm. but that's what like I test cricket is the is the pinnacle. And me personally, I couldn't imagine a world where if I was given the opportunity, I wouldn't want to play test cricket. Yeah, that's right. But not everyone's wired the same way. It's the same. You have to want to. Yeah, do it's it. the same reason that you have a kid like um Will Sutherland who could have gone in the draft to play Australian rules football or could have played cricket, and he chose cricket. You can't then ban. Australian rules football in Australia because it's taken all the cricketers away. Like you just like no, that's right. So this whole idea that you want to tell players that what format they have to play, I just think you're punishing the guy who's on the cusp and isn't good enough. Like for example, like a Ben McDermott. No offense yeah. to Ben, yeah. but he's like that far away from being a Test player right now. It's not funny, but he can make a very good living for himself, spending nine months of the year traveling around the world playing cricket. Why would you take that away from him? Exactly. The other thing is, the other thing is that you want, uh, as uh, as ICC and the other cricketing bodies of the world, is you want to grow the game. So if Chris Lynn decides that he's not going to be a Test cricketer, he's never going to get picked, but will play in every T Twenty comp around the world. All of a sudden, you've seen Chris Lynn on TV playing for Australia in Twenty Twenty uh, international cricket. If he's going to go to like a Peshwar or, you know, a Bangladeshi Fatula uh, uh, team, um, he's only going to grow the game in that area. So why would you not then encourage him to go and do so? Yeah, yeah and, and on that, well, I agree with you on that. Um, you want more people being able to play cricket for a living, which means yep. it's more viable for elite talent to play your game, which means more people who are elite talent as a junior will think, will pick up that game so therefore you have more talent yeah. so you get better yeah. talent in your sport if you you know allow this and I think there's also I forget what it's called it's a lot of anti-competitive laws or something like that you can't actually restrict where someone wants to work yeah and that that legally. was yeah that was a that was a that was one of the points Dino made he goes all it'll take is one guy who's not test level worthy who gets told yeah. you can't play in this league and it'll go to, it'll go to somewhere and they'll get sued for restriction of trade yeah, yeah, because, that's, yeah. It. It's really yeah. Trade, that's it. Yeah. So, um, but also, you, you you pulled the next David Warner out of your ass. Yeah, who started playing T Twenty cricket for Australia some years ago, yeah. and now has made fucking nine thousand Test runs at fifty. 
Not quite. Out of nowhere. Because I have a barrel of that bet. But yeah. Oh, is it? Six thousand yeah, something he's got at yeah. the moment. Yeah. But at at forty five or fifty, like yeah. a decent whack, right? So you pulled the next uh, Dave Warner out of your arsehole by allowing people to do this. But the reality of the situation too is that, and we've spoken about this in the past, is only eleven blokes, only eleven blokes can play test cricket for Australia. There's only eleven spots. Yeah. And, a, and outside of that, there's maybe another six blokes who are realistically in contention. So you're talking yep. that maybe yep. there's 17 to 20 blokes in the entire fucking country who are realistic chance of playing test cricket. So why are yeah. you going to tell the other 200 who are in the system playing between district cricket and all that that are around, how are we going to tell all of those blokes, no, 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 you can't go and try and make a living yeah. around the world? Yeah. Like, it's just bulldust. What do you... What do you tell Aaron Finch, who's got the highest T20 international score ever, yeah. twice? What do you What do you tell him when he's not playing Test cricket or playing Victoria? Oh, sorry, you can only play in the IPL and the BBL, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Silly. Anyway, and it'll just kill these smaller comps, like because you're not gonna you're not gonna choose Canada over the BBL, the IPL, and possibly the <laughs> English English comp. Or if you're West yep. Indian, you're gonna choose the Caribbean Premier League, but then you can choose the IPL and the BBL because that's where the money is. So you're gonna yep. kill. The Bangladesh one, the Pakistan one, the South African one, like you're gonna kill all those other comps because you've you've clearly got two main ones in the BBL and the IPL at the moment are the two big dogs. And then all the yep. other players have to choose one other comp. Well that thins out the herd and and yep. the level of cricket and the quality of it will go in the toilet. And all those guys who were complaining last night about Finch making 172 because Zimbabwe's not as strong as it should be because of um all the drama they're having with the pay dispute and stuff. Guess what? You're gonna have a bloke in Canada playing against fifteen year old kids making two hundred is gonna break all these records and because the comp's yeah. not that strong. Yeah. Uh, good point. Mm. Uh, on that, that was the bin off cricket podcast. Um, uh, if you made it this far, you're either mentally handicapped or uh, I actually can't think of a way to finish that without lying. So uh, <laughs> I just wanted to say, um, I just wanted to say, obviously, thank you to the uh, Frederick Harrell Sock Company oh, yes. uh, for their for their continued support of our stupid podcast. Um, we look forward to the next episode where Ross will return from a self exile, maybe, uh, and <laughs> and he'll get back here to right this ship after we've gone so far off track that it's not funny. Um, and we'll give you all the winners from the Canadian T Twenty and tear that league apart. Uh, I never thought I'd say that. Fuck me. Um, <laughs> until next time, see you next time. See you, see you see mate. You. See ya. Well done, chaps. Good, good ep.